Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I'm your host, Nina Turner, and in the co-host seat today, per usual, because it is Mayor Mondale Robinson Friday. It is none other than the mayor himself. Mayor, how are you doing today? It's Friday and I'm with Nina, I'm, I'm perfect. All right, now I'm feeling that too. And Mayor, anything happening on Rebel HQ that we need to know about? Yeah, I mean, we we um if if you go over and check out some of the content I put out this week, there was a couple of conversations around uh, white supremacy permeating through our elected officials' uh, heads, and then the, the, mainly around the idea that Republicans recognize the fact that they may have lost it um, with telling their voters not to vote early, not to vote by mail. Um, and now they're trying to turn the course and pretend that voting by mail is the best thing ever. Donald Trump's starting to talk about that as a part of his plan. Oh Yeah, they better be, I mean, certainly watching out for Donald J. Trump, he ain't no joke. So the Republicans trying to turn it around, all right? You don't wanna miss the mayor on Rebel HQ. So the mayor and I, we're going to start in France with our rundown. The revolution definitely continues in France. 20 years ago, the Iraq war started. And later in the show, we're going to show you how horribly anti-black and racist Ben Stein actually is. But we start first in France. There's a revolution happening. Watch. Fiery protests erupting France, all across France, after the government forced through controversial plans to raise the country's retirement age from 62 to 64. President Emmanuel Macron resorted to constitutional powers because he did not have enough votes to pass the bill. At least 310 people detained overnight in clashes between police and protesters who say the pension overhaul is unfair and unnecessary. Yeah, the people in France, they just not gonna take it. As you heard, this pertains to Macron's government seeking to increase the country's retirement age from 62 to 64. He did not have the vote, so he resorted to using the Constitution, totally going against the will of the people. I guess he don't want another term. We sh- well, we shall see. The people of France get to make that decision. But French President Emmanuel Macron will trigger special constitutional powers to enact the proposed pension reform bill. Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne announced Thursday in the National Assembly, which had not yet voted on the proposal. Now, members of the French Parliament also made their voices heard, protesting the decision through solidarity. Check out this video. That's how you do it. All that genteel stuff that we got going on in the United States of America, baby, they making it known. Those were members singing the French national anthem, drowning out the voice of Prime Minister Bourne, letting them know they stand in solidarity with the people. Since Macron did not have the votes he needed for his scheme, he enacted Article 49.3. And here's more on what that article does. Article 49.3, the French Constitution enables a government to push a bill through the National Assembly, France's lower house of the parliament, without a vote. 
But over the past decade, Article 49.3 has increasingly been seen as an undemocratic tool used by the government to strong arm lawmakers. You got that right, they need to go ahead and change Article 49.3, right? And let's hear from the union leader, what this leader had to say. By resorting to constitutional Article 49.3, the government demonstrates that it does not have a majority to approve the two year postponement of the legal retirement age. Laurent Berger, the head of the CFD. Now, protests have been ongoing since mid-January with millions showing up across France to protest this decision. And labor leaders are calling for more. Let's look at this, labor leaders in France called for new demonstrations with several thousand people converging at Paris Palace de Concorde and in several other cities in France on Thursday evening. So Mayor, it seems as though the brothers and sisters, family and friends in France are not just gonna sit idly by and make this easy for Macron. Yeah, I listen. I think this is a, this is a national, or I should say, an international attack on workers. We see, and I know the French government, Macron saw it, uh, studies that said the four-day work week is a better idea. This idea that we need people working longer and more is based in nothing other than greed, greed. And, and Macron is absolutely disgusting in the fact that he's willing to invoke 49.3, which is absolutely undemocratic. We take away the voice of the people's house, that's the French people's house. And uh, you know, and it is absolutely disgusting when you see Bowen doing the work in the, in the, in the let's say trying to get the far right extremists of French politics to partner with them. And even the far right extremists are not willing to partner with them and saying that after this, this invoking the 49.3, this government should step down, including the prime minister. This is the problem where you have presidents and, and, and prime ministers on the side of big business, not just in America, but everywhere where you're trying to squeeze more out of people. The idea that we're living longer so we can work longer is a false idea that people should not buy into. It started in 1983 in the United States when they upped the retirement age where you get full retirement from 62 to 67. And we see it happening now in France. It is absolutely disgusting and I love to see union and people taking the streets for, I mean, since January, we've seen millions of people and it's oh, exciting. Yeah. And I hope the same thing happens here around work and, and in retirement age. I do too, Mayor. We need to take a page out of their book over in France. They don't just sit by, and you know what? They don't deify elected officials. And that's our problem here, one of the problems here in the United States. So Macron is obviously throwing his whole political career away because he wants to work the people of France just two more years. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he is doing that. Well, <coughs> guys, I got a little tickle in my throat. Marie Le Plan said her far right national rally party would file a no confidence motion. The mayor just brought that up and communist lawmakers Fabian Rossil said such a motion is ready on the left. So when you got the left and the right coming together, Macron, you're done brother. One communist lawmaker called the presidential power a political guillotine. Others called it a denial of democracy that signals Macron's lack of legitimacy. Man, I gotta give it to them, man, they calling it what it is. The silver lining of this is that many parties are coming together saying hell no to Macron. More importantly, the people of France, this is the most important thing. The people of France have had enough 
as they should. Now I'm going to say it one more time, one more good time. America, we need to wake up. We need to take to the streets as well. Take it to the streets, especially if the GOP take takes power in 2024. Last June, the Republican Study Committee released a budget plan including a number of suggested reforms for Medicare and Social Security, including raising the eligibility ages for each program to 67 and 70 in an effort to strengthen the viability of the program. Some presidential candidates like Republican Nikki Haley have also proposed raising the retirement age as part of their platforms ahead of the 2024 election. Now something is wrong with this man, you just laid that out. And if the people of America don't get a clue really quickly, they're gonna be able to do to us again what you laid out that they did in the 80s. If we don't get a clue from what is happening in France and take to the streets and let them know we're not gonna take it. And do not even entertain electing anybody who says they wanna continuously increase the retirement age in this country. Yeah, and I, and I think we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta recognize a few things. And the first one of those things is raising the retirement age is actually lessening the benefits for retirement. So you're actually cutting, when you raise someone's age, when you put people in the workforce for more years, you're actually cutting their benefits from social security. So we even, we not even need to play games and mince words about that. That's the first thing. The second thing we need to recognize and be honest with ourselves is saying that people can work longer is actually killing black people earlier. We know that maybe rich white people with college educations can afford to work three more years and not have it affect their lives, but for black people, the idea that people can work longer is not a real thing. This is a racist idea and we should really dive into the fact that the trying to tell black people that they have more years to work doesn't make sense when we have shorter lived experiences life than white folks, right? Yeah, we Our have, life expectancies yeah. are shorter and those, those years when people are working longer, it's because they're trying to benefit or offset the life cost that's associated with the small monies they're getting from life earnings and also what social security can offer. So it's absolutely disgusting. It's a racist policy and we need to name, we need to name that. And, and on top of that, who the hell needs to be working to their 70? I know it makes no sense unless they just want to do it, but they shouldn't have to do it because they have to do it. And that is the problem in this country. And as we're seeing around the world that these wealthy elites don't want working class people to have any type of quality of life. It is immoral, it is insane, and it shouldn't happen. America, let's not be complicit in our own demise. It has been 20 years, 20 years later on Iraq. Take a look. My fellow citizens, at this hour, American and coalition forces are in the early stages of military operations to disarm Iraq, to free its people, and to defend the world from grave danger. On my orders, Coalition forces have begun striking selected targets of military importance to undermine Saddam Hussein's ability to wage war. Can I believe it's been 20 years and what happened? This headline a little over a year after the start of the invasion explains it all. There were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They sold us a bill of goods. That is exactly what this country did. There were some folks who understood that at the time. And besides, this country destabilized the Middle East by doing that to in Iraq. A massive failure 
that costs taxpayers trillions and has been dissected even more as the years go on, especially from recent reports. And not only did it cost our country, it cost the lives of many, many people, both Americans and Iraqis and, and forces from other countries as well. The US military is about to surpass 20 years since invading Iraq. A war that has cost more than 550,000 lives and nearly 1.8 trillion. According to a report released Wednesday, the cost of war project predicted the dollar amount will swell to 2.89 trillion by 2050 when factoring in the cost of caring for veterans of the Iraq war and subsequent operations in Iraq and Syria to counter ISIS. A massive failure this has been. Now, 20 years later, Norman Solomon is reflecting on the failures, the lies and the lessons that we haven't yet learned from this war. The headline, the urbanity of evil 20 years after the US invasion of Iraq. And he goes on to write, what propelled the United States to start the war on Iraq in March of 2023 or 2003 were dynamics of media and politics that are still very much with us today. Soon after 9-11, one of the rhetorical whips brandished by President George W. Bush was an unequivocal assertion while speaking to a joint session of Congress on September 20th, 2001. Quote, every nation in every region now has a decision to make. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists, end quote. Norm Solomon in that quote is quoting what Bush Jr. had to say about that. Now Norman effectively dives into the same rhetoric that is being used on the American people right now today. Let us take a look. Our current era is filled with echoes of such oratory from the current president. A few months before fist bumping Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler, Mohammed bin Salman, who's been in charge of a tyrannical regime making war on Yemen, causing several hundred thousand deaths since 2015. With US government help, Joe Biden mounted a pulpit of supreme virtue during his 2022 State of the Union address. Biden proclaimed, Quote, an unwavering resolve that freedom will always triumph over tyranny, end quote. And he added that, quote, in the battle between democracy and autocracies, democracies are rising to the moment. Of course, there was no mention of his support for Saudi's autocracy and war. Mayor, Norman is laying it out. Listen, I think he did a wonderful job like he always does. And it forces us to be uncomfortable in what we all got tricked. We got hoodwinked, right? Yeah. America used media to promulgate a war that was false. Like it is not okay just to say that Russia should not be in Ukraine. Because what Russia did in Ukraine is what America did in in in, in in Iraq. And if we're not if we're not strong enough and honest enough with ourselves to say that, then what we're doing is we're defending old wars to prepare for new wars. That's all that it seems like to me. If that we're part, not prepared yeah. to say that America should not have been in Iraq ever, which means we didn't save them, we actually destroyed them. Not just them, we destroyed the entire region. We created more terrorists by going in Iraq when we knew when we knew this war was false. We knew people were lying. We knew when CNN said 
when this, the head of CNN said, we're, we went to the Pentagon and asked them which generals we should use as experts to talk about the war leading up to the war. We knew when CNC, CBS, ABC, all of them had 97% of their experts were either contractors or old generals that supported this war. And only one person, only one person dared in the two weeks leading up on media dared to go against or critique the war. Right, So we knew we sat back and got hoodwinked. No one questioned why all the experts are saying this war was inevitable. When we saw Tariq Aziz, who we're not, I'm not saying was innocent, but he was a deputy of security in Iraq during that time. We watched this man say, it doesn't matter if we are inspected or not, America wants war and she will have it. Yeah. So even after they opened the doors, we forget, they eventually opened the doors to the UN inspectors to investigate. They but did. America still launched because they said yeah. Bush used that lie and said, well, we can't wait till there's a smoking gun because that smoking gum may be a mushroom cloud when we're the only country guilty only. of creating a mushroom cloud. That's it, only nation to bomb, to use nuclear weapons, only nation to use nuclear weapons, ain't that something? And here is where Norman goes even deeper. This is where he drops the hammer on Biden's rhetoric and how he hasn't learned the lessons from what went wrong in the Iraq war. Norman writes, in the State of the Union speech, Biden devoted much emphasis to condemning Russia's war on Ukraine as he has many times since. Biden's presidential hypocrisies do not in any way justify the horrors that Russian forces are inflicting in the Ukraine. No does that war justify the deadly hypocrisies that pervade US foreign policy. You better say that Norman Solomon and thank God for that kind of courage. And as we look at just really take stock of as a nation, how much money we have poured into Ukraine to date. Put up this headline right here, Biden approves record eight hundred and fifty eight billion US defense spending bill. Now that's our defense spending bill, got that. That's what we are doing right now. And just this, that was for this year's budget. And just this past week, what does Biden want for the 2024 budget? Biden wants 886 billion defense budget with eyes on Ukraine and future wars. And Mary, the point that you made about, you know, when we do stuff like this, it is, in preparation for war after war after war after war with no demand by the American people that they have that they that we have a plan for diplomacy because you can't war your way out of war. You cannot war your way out of war. That is that is an absolute fact. And also on top of that, $886 billion. We're increasing and increasing. We still can't. Every year we have we are investigating the accounting of the Pentagon and there's so much waste, so much unaccounted for monies, and we still keep increasing their budget. Still, when we have people dying from being hungry. If we spent half what not even a half, a fraction of what we 2.8 trillion dollars is enough to eradicate homelessness and poverty, not just here. Not just here, but all over the world, many times over. And on top of that, it's ironic that we are willing, we're debating this, this idea that people need to work longer, 
People need to work longer for smaller funds. We can't fund people, but we can fund wars. This is a this is a military industrial complex that did not just begin with this presidency, but it's definitely carrying on. And we gotta be honest, there's some magic in saying that Biden's presidency is hypocritical, not just in their actions. He can pretend and downplay his role in Bush's war. Yeah. But Biden was out there acting he was all like in a whole. He ran yeah. the foreign, he ran the foreign policy. That yeah. was his thing. It so was he was out baby. there trumming up this war and support too. That's right. And you know, Mayor, it see there's no there's no owner donors when you feed the poor. See, mm. that that's mm. really what this is coming down to. You keep mm. feeding the military industrial complex, then you get them owner donors. But if you use that money to feed the everyday people of this nation, there's no donations in that. And mm. we see who is winning so far. You want to talk about war, who's winning? It is not the everyday people of this country. Just keep making sacrifice after sacrifice. And if Congress Biden or any president for that matter, let's just throw that out there right now. Spend as much energy and money on expanding programs and the type of policies that the mayor and I are talking about, such as social security, Medicaid, raising the minimum wage and expanding the child tax credit, then maybe America. Just maybe they would get to speak about unwavering freedom. But when you are a hypocrite, you can't talk about unwavering freedom without being a bold faced liar. Mm. And don't tell me that a program such as the child tax credit is expensive. The program expired in December of 2021 America. Millions of children are going to bed either hungry or, or inadequately fed America, but yet and still we let these these dim, these these uh, politicians, Democrats and Republicans, and they own the donors control everything. The one year expansion of the child tax credit, because I know you want to know how much it costs, which costs about a hundred billion, cut child poverty by thirty six percent according to census data. The overall decline in child poverty reached 46%, a one year drop without precedence. So which is the better investment America? Inquiring minds wanna know. And in other words, you could find the child tax credit for nearly 10 years and it still wouldn't equate to the military industrial complex budget. Now I want y'all to marinate on that. Let's prioritize people. Because when you prioritize war over people, that is not democracy. Woo, the Mary and I, we're gonna come back to that at another time. We're gonna move on. Ben Stein is an anti-black racist, point blank, period. Watch this. Child growing up in Maryland and spending a lot of time in Washington, D.C. I would drive by the neighborhoods with my parents driving cars where predominantly black people, in fact, almost all black people live. And they looked so raggedy and sad, and their neighbors were so run down and miserable. I just thought, wow, what a horrible way for these poor, honest, decent citizens to live. If I woke up in the morning and I were, as we call them then, a colored person, a black person, we call them now, I'd want to kill myself. That was, let's say, 60 years ago. I sighed deeply. Ben Stein's recent comments comes just after a couple of weeks ago when he was in the news for this. Ben Stein misses the large 
African American woman chief chef, sorry, no longer on his syrup bottle. Ain't that about a because that's the position that people like him want to see black people in, particularly black women in service to be domestics on the syrup bottle. He misses that. He's exactly what he said. Listen to this. To do something which I sometimes do, which is to make breakfast for dinner. Aunt Jemima yummy pancake syrup. Now this used to show a large African American woman chef, but because of the inherent racism of Americans corporate culture, they decided to make it a white person or maybe no person at all. But I prefer it when it's a black person showing their incredible skill at making pancakes. So God bless you all. Mayor, I really I just can't. Sis, I I I this is this is the this is the problem with America. And I mean Ben Stein is in is the is the living embodiment of what is possible if being a mediocre, boring white person, right? This is just this is pay attention to this. This person is known to most people as the clear eye monotone guy. But for those of us who are political nerds, we know who he is. This is an aide to Richard Nixon. This is the guy who in 2014 said Barack Obama was trying to racialize all of our politics. And then that made Barack Obama the most racist president ever in this country. Ben Stein said that. Ben Stein was part of the campaign that created the Southern strategy. The Southern strategy took the anger from racist white people around the Brown v. Board education decision and used that to win Richard Nixon in the White House, basically taking white Southern races and their hate for black people and the idea that separate but equal was a racist law and that their way of life was about to change. He worked for that campaign. Every time he talks, I am reminded of how disgustingly racist he is and the fact that he is still a part of America's discourse in a, in a serious way bothers me, bothers me to my core. And it tells us a lot, Mayor, about America. You know, there's a book I want to recommend called Slave in a Box. Because to console white people who, you know, love that kind of stuff, they want us on the box with rice, they want us on the bottles with syrup. It is to see black people constantly in subservient positions. This is this man talking this stuff, you know? And and let's go ahead and travel back in time in 2014, because he's not the only one. I mean, we certainly could do many, many shows about this. But Clive Bundy, some of you may remember that name on blacks. Are they better off as slaves? We're talking about 2014, not 1814, not 1914, but 2014. So the more things change, the more they actually stay the same. Let's dig in. Clive Bundy, the Nevada rancher whom some Republicans and Tea Party activists have rallied around as he fights federal government efforts to restrict the land his cattle can graze on, suggests in a New York Times story that African Americans might be better off as slaves given their current situation. Hmm, Bundy, I wonder how black people got into the current situation that they are in. It's, it's called systemic racism and anti-blackness, because I know you want to know. And this is what this dude had to say. And because they were basically on government subsidy, so now what do they do? They abort their young children, they put their young men in jail because they never learned how to pick cotton. 
And I've often wondered, are they better off as slaves, picking cotton and having a family life and doing things? Or are they better off under government subsidy? They didn't get no more freedom, they got less. I, I want you to know this man said this in 2014 and it would be, you see, see the problem is there are a lot of Clyde Bundys out there. There are a lot of Steins out there. If these were isolated incidences, isolated thoughts, it'd be one thing. But these men are echoing the thoughts, unfortunately, of so many white people in America. They speaking out loud, but they only speak in, in, in secret, in private. Mayor, your thoughts. Listen, I, I just th- the thing of the thing about there's some truth in um, what Clive said, right? We did get less free, but it wasn't because it wasn't because of the lack of trying on our part. It was the it was the systematic racism that American insisted stay stay a part of its culture even to this this day. This idea that Black people are living in a space that requires subsidy is because we're lazy. And no, 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 no. It's because America was set up to function in that manner. Also, we should note. That Clive Bundy, as a rancher, gets more subsidies than any black person. That part you get paid there. to do nothing, buddy. Some years you don't have to grow anything, Mr. Bundy. That's it. Anything, because you are a rancher. So I, I, it is absolutely disgusting how these. I used to do consulting work for farmers, and they used to rail, they used to rail against. We don't want to take food stamps because it takes away from our work, and we hard work. And I'm like, what well, you get government subsidies every year? That's you it. get millions. Not you get millions, and just because it's been titled something else, it's still subsidy for you is welfare for somebody else, and this is absolutely disgusting that we've we've made these races a part of our culture. Let's not also forget that Bundy is the person; he's the thug. Him and his family are the thugs that took over federal land and were shooting at agents yes. for days, and none yes. of them none of them died or went to prison. Didn't die. I mean, not that mm-hmm. I wanted them to die, but had they been black. They would have been dead on arrival, like as soon as they hit the scene. And you know what, Mayor? It, it just boggles my mind how people who think like these men and others and women too. Let, we ain't gonna let the white women off the hook either. If you have this kind of anti-black white supremacy, and you don't even gotta be white, because there's some other folks of color who think the same way too. It's called anti-blackness and race, racist racism. And you don't have to be white to be anti-black and to be racist. But let's make this abundantly clear for the people who don't understand. I'm gonna quote my sister Angela Rye who has a line, we built this joint for free. And let me add on there by force. So anybody that fixes to quote my grandmother, their mouths to talk about the African American community, lazy baby. It would take a hundred million lifetimes. And even then, nobody better fix their mouths to say that black people are lazy. We built this joint for free, and I'm adding on by force. The nerve. The nerve. And so that that's why, you know, and so these warped views about black people in our communities continue to permeate the minds of many Americans. It is rooted in anti-black white supremacy, baby. That is what it is rooted in. And before your play cousins, you know, all your friends, all them latte liberals and those, and before y'all start getting all swole up in the chest, let me remind you, let's bring up Dr. Crystal Fleming. Cause let me remind you, you don't have to be a neo-Nazi. You don't have to put a white sheet on to be anti-black. 
white supremacy, according to Dr. Crystal Fleming in her book, How to Be Less Stupid About Race. White supremacy is not just neo-Nazis and white nationalism. It's also the way our society has come to be structured, such as the political, economic, and other forms of capital are predominantly maintained by elite whites. And other folks can take on this same mentality too. Thank you, Dr. Crystal Fleming. We tired of it. We are sick and tired of this foolishness. All right. And some of these people that smile in your face, you can look at their policies, what they're doing and what they're not doing. That'll tell you how much they care about the black community or don't care about the black community. Because now people wearing blue suits over white sheets. Hello? Somebody. Now, Brother Frederick Douglass laid this out and the and Mayor and I, we're gonna dissect this thing. Let's just go ahead and get ready and do this dance cuz we're gonna dance this dance. Let us in this particular segment with one of the greatest, with the words, one of the greatest abolitionists and freedom fighters to ever live, to ever fight for black liberation. Brother abolitionist Frederick Douglass. And these words are timeless. These words apply to all Full social justice leaders, latte liberals, and far right wingers who pretend to believe in God, but their actions speak louder than their words. This is to all those who constantly tell black people to wait, shut up, sit down, you have it good, stop complaining, forget your history. These words are for all those folks who constantly demand that black people put their hopes, dreams, and feelings aside for others as if our blood, mind, and body sacrifices were not enough. These, this is eternalism speaking right now. These words are for those who use their power and white privilege to make examples of black people in public and don't have that same smoke when we are transgressed. I see you, Kyrie. Irvin and so many others. I see you, Kaepernick. These words are for those who think that they can run, but running is one thing and hiding is another. So let me just go on and get to what Brother Frederick Douglass, because that's what Turner had to say on the issue. But here is the great Frederick Douglass. I therefore hate. The corrupt, slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial and hypocritical Christianity of the land. Fill in your blank on your religion on that. I look upon it as the climax of all misnomers, the boldest of all frauds, and the grossest of all libels. Never was there a clearer case of stealing the livery of the court of heaven to serve the devil in. I am filled with unutterable loathing. I'm with you, Brother Frederick Douglass, when I contemplate the religious pompous and show together with the horrible inconsistencies which everywhere surround me. Put up the next one. Mike, uh, uh, Mike, we have men stealers for ministers, women whippers for missionaries, and cradle plunderers for church members. The man who wields the blood clotted cow skin during the week feels the pulpit on Sunday and claims to be a minister of the meek and lowly Jesus. The slave auctioners bail and the church going bail chime with each other and the bitter cries of the heartbroken slave. 
are drowned in the religious shouts of his pious masters. Our next one, go ahead on brother Frederick Douglass. Revivals of religion and revivals in the slave trade go hand in hand together. The slave prison and the church stand near each other. Woo! The clanking of the fetters and the rattling of the chains in the prison and the pious Psalms and the solemn prayers in the church may be heard at the same time. Mary, go ahead and take it away. Mm, Woo! Listen, Woo! Listen. Oh, we got one more. Thank you, Mike. The dealers, or Mark, I'm sorry, Mark. The dealers in the bodies of men erect in their stand in the presence of the pulpit and the mutually help each other. The dealers give his blood stained gold to support the pulpit. The pulpit in return covers his infernal business with the garb of Christianity. Here we have religion and robbery that allies of each other. Devils dressed in angels robes and hell presenting the semblance of paradise. Mm. Woo! Mm. The indomitable. Mayor, take it from there. Thank you, Mark, for that. Woo wee! I just can't. I, I I need your fire extinguisher. I ain't. We ain't said nothing about nothing yet. Listen, I I if we got we got to be honest right now. This is this is this is a critique not of religion, not solely of religion. If we're talking about where we are and who we are, this is the critique of liberal Democrats, racist Republicans. And every other so-called nonprofit ally organization supposedly doing doing justice work. This is a critique of America at large, writ large. We cannot pretend that black people aren't suffering, not just by those who put on white Klan's robe or, or put the Nazi swastika on their body. No, we are being punished just for living by, by laws that were exact that were exacted hundreds of years ago and also those that are being carried out right now. When when he said the the slave, the slave and the Christian, uh, the slave plantation and the Christian pew are near each other, are near each other. He's basically telling you all that Christianity gives cap for this. You cover for this. We can say it a different way. When politicians stand next to corporations at the expense of black communities. Then you too are doing the same thing that Frederick Douglass despised. You become the person that he despised. When you tell people they need to work and you're not gonna give them a livable wage, you too are on the side of the folk that Frederick Douglass hates. I hate you too. Period. That part, Mayor, I loathe you. I mean, Brother Frederick Douglass, that's flowing all through my veins on that, Mayor, all through my veins. They need to get a clue. These are the very same people that will be quoting the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on MLK Day and turn around and consort with their owner donors. These are the same people. Vicky, preach it, Nina and Mayor, preach it. Rosa, the mayor looking very dapper today. Late bloomer, sadly, Bundy's perspective is not that uncommon, these free United States of America. I want to thank all of our commenters. The mayor and I went deep today. I could not even get like scratch the surface on this, but this is deep. We coming back to this. We not see our unbox. We don't play games. We don't play games. We call it like it is. America, we must stop being complicit in our own demise. Black community, you must stop being complicit in your own demise just because these politicians come visit your churches and they tell you you, you look cute and then you want to give all, all the goods. Just because they told you you look cute. 
And they're not doing anything for our communities and for our babies. And Ben Stein is just an example. Clyde Bundy is just an example of the anti-blackness and the racism and the bigotry that permeates this country. These United States of America and anybody that wanna fix their mouths to say that white supremacy and anti-blackness does not exist. I'm gonna tell you what my grandmother used to say. You are a liar and the truth is not in you. We can't keep playing games with people like DeSantis in Florida doing the same thing. He worse than Stein because he got the power. Or the governor over there in Texas and all the other areas in this country where they are taking us back in time. Now y'all may think they coming for black folks. They are coming for black folks, but baby, you ain't far behind. If you are everyday working person in this country, it is both class and it is race, but if you are black in America, you catch a certain type of hell, we sick of it. America, we sick of it. Now I'm supposed to go to some daggone explainer video and I'm pumped today. Ooh man, I can't even, this is the debut of our explainer video team and I, I don't even wanna do it cause I'm pumped. That Ben Stein, he ain't gonna get away with it. Let's cancel him the way y'all can't try to cancel Kyrie. Why don't you why don't you cancel him like like y'all did Kaepernick? That man still ain't playing football to this day because he dared say that black lives do matter by bending a knee. They tried to take Kyrie everything that man had. They made him apologize in public. And then when he apologized, it still wasn't enough. Black people, when we gonna get off our knees? We built this joint for free. Y'all done got me started. Okay, to explain the video, we got something special for you. Take a look at this. It's special, even though I'm mad as hell. It's special. Roll the tape. America is number one in the cost of insulin. Why? I'm so glad you asked. Yes, Americans pay the world's highest price for insulin. That's not something you want to be number one at, especially when one in 10 Americans has diabetes and needs insulin to stay alive and well. And a 2018 study reported that over 50% have what's known as pre-diabetes. Not only do we pay more for insulin, our price is five times higher than the number two country. And worse, it's by design. In other countries, the government buys prescription drugs wholesale. They say, if Big Pharma wants to do any business in our borders, they have to meet our price. And as you can see, it works. But here in America, not only do we not do that, it's illegal. The only government run program that's been able to negotiate drug prices is the Veterans Administration, nobody else. In 2003, when passing a drug program for seniors called Medicare Part D, lobbyists paid millions to get Congress to ban government led negotiations for life saving medications. And wouldn't you know it, in that program, seniors pay double what veterans pay. And it's worse for everybody else. Under our system, profit hungry health insurance companies run the negotiations, keeping prices high and lining the pockets of middlemen, middle women and pharmaceutical bigwigs while millions of workaday Americans literally struggle to stay alive. Right wingers will tell you that the free market keeps prices low, but the proof just isn't in the pudding. Americans have a private health 
healthcare system. Every other industrialized nation allows the government to get involved. As a result, Americans pay twice as much for healthcare that's per person and we die sooner. Does that sound like it works to you? Is there hope on the horizon? Only if we fight. Progressives fought hard to force the Biden administration to reverse the ban on government-led drug price negotiations for seniors. In the end, they're only going to allow Medicare to negotiate 20 new drugs by 2029. We need to go further. We need a single payer system like Medicare for all to negotiate with pharmaceutical companies and drive prices down for all Americans. The time is now. Call your congressperson, fight like hell and make America number one in something that's good for a change. Subscribe. That was our very first explainer video. Put the mayor up beside me. Woo, we came in hot on this one. I didn't mean for it to come through like this, but that was our very first explainer video. And it just went live on Facebook, Mayor. It just went live. We want all of our viewers right now to go get your friends and your frenemies and share it. Now, Sachi is going to put the link in right now so everybody can take that link and you can share it. Check it out on Facebook right now, friends and frenemies. And drop a comment on other things you want us to do explainer videos on. Mayor, I know we gotta go, but I, I can't wait for us to do an explainer video together. Indeed, I, I look forward to it. This is an important topic too. I want people to understand that this is not a this is not a joke. There's actually a class action lawsuit right now, I think, in Massachusetts against insulin companies for their lies about rebates. What they're basically doing is jacking up the prices just so they never have to discount the real price. So they say you're getting a rebate, but you're not really getting a rebate. They're just charging you more than what it should be charged anyway. Yeah, liars gonna lie. Well, I tell you. Well. Mayor, we enjoyed. We got a special guest coming up after this break, but this was Mayor Mondale Robinson Friday. Thank you, Mayor, for bringing the heat per usual, and we'll see you next Friday. And thanks to all of you. We will be right back. I'm gonna cool down, maybe, after this. And welcome back to the show. I'm kind of semi-calm, but not quite. We gonna revisit this. We did, we are not gonna let this go, America. We are not. But right now, I wanna bring to you, cause you know, we're in March, spring is in there. Spring is gonna be coming really, really soon. I don't know, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know, it's trying to peek in every now and then. But it's still right. snowing and it's cold, but spring is coming. You know how every January we make these New Year's resolutions about how we gonna get fit and we're gonna eat better and all of that stuff, only to find ourselves by March we done forgot everything that we had to say. So joining us today is my fitness instructor, Mr. Derek Dardell. He is a certified personal trainer and class trainer or group trainer from the International Fitness Institute. And he is here with us today to talk to us about how we can make some things happen before that scorching summer gets here, no matter where you live. Mr. Doddell, how are you today? I'm great, thanks for having me. No, it's on? great to have you. I want everybody else to know, you know how to get this done. We've been together for a very long, long time. You've seen my long ups time. and my downs and my, you know, eating the popcorn and the potato all chips that, and all that, all that, all that, all that, all that, that stuff. That. It is vitally important, not just from a 
physical standpoint to be fit, but it's important for people to have a fitness plan. How, you know, if it's somebody to just start now, how, how do they do that? I mean, me personally, I would tell people to, they, they need to try to get with a trainer. Um, start You're not just slow. saying that because you are a trainer, are you? Well, you know, I gotta throw that in there too, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you need to uh, take it one step at a time, you know. Um, uh, you, you don't have to make a schedule, be structured, you know. Um, definitely have to have discipline because it's a lifestyle. So you don't want to try to do everything in one moment and talk about, oh, I'm gonna, I want to lose all this. You have to take it step by step. Just getting up, going to take a walk, you know, drinking more water, you know what I'm saying? Taking in more vegetables than you do processed foods and healthy fats, things of that nature. So, you know, just be more conscious of what you're doing and what you're putting in your body and just take one step at a time. One step at a time. I think there's a Absolutely. saying that says a journey of a thousand miles start with the first step. Absolutely. That's that's vitally important. And I like uh, Coach Dardell how you talked about the fact that even just adding more water, you know, right, right. making sure you're drinking more water and not drinking a lot of pop and fruit juices yeah, and all that kind yeah. of stuff, but adding processed the water, stuff. Right. processed yeah, water. stuff, taking yes, the walk, yes. making sure your plate is half veggies right. of some sort. And not and not all carbs and, and all sugar. Not all right. carbs. Right, and right. And potato chips. Absolutely. <laughs> Popcorn. Things that you like. Popcorn yeah. with a lot of right, butter. Right. You know? What is, you know, Coach Dodell, a lot of people want to know is it more important to exercise or is it more important to eat right or is it a little bit of both? Which, which I mean, is I was, important? The, the most important thing is your food. Uh, 80% of it is your diet. You know, abs are made in the kitchen. Um, you can work out every day, but if you have a bad diet, you can't outwork a bad diet. But you put both of them together, you're gonna reap all the benefits. You know, have more energy, uh, the stamina. You know, just strength and just just being great overall, feeling so much better, fighting diseases, things of that nature. So the best is to put both of them together, but you have to eat much better than you work out. So you have to eat, so you cannot, so like I can't eat a Snicker bar and say, I'm gonna get on the treadmill and burn them 250 calories uh, off. It doesn't no, quite negative. work that way. That, that, that's a negative, that's, that's a negative. A negative. No, no, not, negative. not me, I'm just using that as an example. Right, you know, right, right, I bet you are, yeah, I know. I would never do that, cause you would you would, you would would know, you would find me out at the next. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd be able to tell how you work out here, you know, you're yes, some trash, yeah, eat. absolutely. So absolutely. you on your journey, I mean, you struggled a little bit. A lot, actually. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, can you yeah. share with our audience a little bit about your journey and what like kind of woke you up to so right. much so that now you're training hundreds of other people on how to be physically, mentally fit? Okay, well, I, I used to drive trucks um, locally and sometimes over the road. And, you know, driving trucks, you eat, you stop at stores, Burger King, gas stations, you know eating whatever you want to eat. So I, I had to go to the doctor having chest pains and the doctor told me I was 275. Now look, I'm five. What? Yeah, I'm, I was, yes, I'm five nine and I was 275. So the doctor told me like, yeah, you're gonna probably die before you're 30. So that really woke me up and I said, ooh wee, I can't have that. So I've always been an athletic person, you know, boxing, playing Play baseball. baseball, wrestling. yeah. Right, growing up. So I just had to, you know, shift it into another gear. And I've always liked helping people out and you know, I'm just a giving person. So I just felt it was a need for me, or basically a calling 
to get your life in order and then help others too. So, you know, I got fit and look at me now. Look at you now and you yeah, do that every now. single day. Every no single, question. I think you got some footage uh, from you sparring with somebody or mid work. Mm -hmm. I forget what you tell me to call it because this person ain't a real boxer, but uh -huh. we have some footage of you doing that. I mean, getting oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. That, the that, that was at the little Cleveland. Uh, it was it was a big deal. Cleveland Expo All yeah. Star Fitness. Yeah, it was last weekend. So yes. um, we were standing around. Me and the, my partner that does boxing with me. We, you know, people can come up and we can catch people's hands. You know. Yes. And it was just fun. You know, experience and let people see it's not as easy as it looks. So you know, they were winded at the end of. 30 to 40 seconds. Well, take it from me. I can tell y'all it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it definitely is not easy. But one of the yeah. things I like about being able to exercise in that way is that that really gets a lot of fatigue. A lot of people are stressed, Coach Dodell, and exercise does have an impact on stress. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. It, 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 it helps tremendously, you know, especially when you can come and take your frustrations out on a heavy bag or take yeah. it out on me when you, you know, doing mitt work. So, or even sometimes even with the gym, people don't realize it's not always about weight loss. It's therapeutic. You know, come you on. come into the gym, that talk part. to me, you know, tell me, you know, what's going on with your day. Some people just need somebody to listen to. Them. That's you know, right. I'm there for I'm there for all that. You know, you so there for your I'm clients. There, yeah, I'm I'm there for the people. You know, yes, you are there for the yeah, people. You absolutely. all don't want to miss. And guess what? You do not have to be in the Cleveland area to reap the benefits of what this trainer extraordinaire by the name of Derek Doddell has to offer. You can reach him online as well. Team, let's put that up. Online training with Derek <laughs> Doddell. This is how you can find him. You see yeah. that? I mean, it takes results. Now, Doddell, sometimes people think they can get this overnight. Can you? That it doesn't happen quite overnight. Like it may seem no, like overnight you gain that weight, but you definitely didn't gain it overnight, and you can't no. get it off overnight. Well, you're gonna gain it quicker than you can uh, lose it. But no, you just it's just just stay consistent in whatever you do. Just stay consistent, and it's gonna it's gonna fall off when it falls off. You know, one fall step off at a when time. It falls off. Hey, and that's just what it is. You know, that is Every, what it is. Look, like my shirt said, you know, discipline discipline beats motivation. So even yes. when you're not motivated. You still got to be disciplined and stay on course. You know what I mean? Discipline beats motivation. And That's lastly, it. what is it that you always say to us before we leave? Oh, stay dangerous. Stay dangerous. You know, uh, it's, it's it's a cold world out here. But the thing is, staying dangerous, I mean, be proactive. And be, be pro ready to be offensive, you know, at, at any given time and able to defend yourself also. So it's just, just being proactive, being on the offensive side and, you know, not worrying about things too much, but be ready. Be, first. be ready. Be, be ready. ready. Well, Absolutely. thank you so much, Coach Derek no Doddell. No we'll bring him back from time to time to give us some fitness tips. We thank you so very much. Don't you forget to go visit his IG page. We will have that up again. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us today. You know what I want you to do about this time. I want you to keep the faith always, always, always. And with that faith, keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.